Praise the Lord, and the children may go to children's church, kindergarten through third grade. Kindergarten through third grade. Praise the Lord for the children's church team, for the children going. Have you all figured out a theme for this church, by the way? One of our themes is our children, is our children. They are, they are important important, important to us. And it is pretty exciting to be down there. Just thought I'd say that. So, I feel like it was another life ago, but I was on duty at uh, Coast Guard Station Hatteras Inlet um, a number of years ago. A number of years ago, and it was a, it was a stormy day. It was a um, a day where we knew somewhere on the Outer Banks something was going to happen. And it was, it was probably um, mid-afternoon, mid-afternoon, and you know, you could hear, it wasn't one of those things where you could only listen if it dealt with Hatteras Inlet. You were listening to everything in Group K Hatteras. So you were listening to things from Moorhead all the way, you know, almost to Elizabeth City and so on and so forth. And the call came, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. This is the motor vessel, Lois Joyce. We are taking on water in heavy seas. We are disabled and adrift. We have four people on board. We need help immediately. And the, um, so Coast Guard Station, Oregon Inlet would be dispatched to that. Helicopter from Elizabeth City would be dispatched to that. And, um, then we would hear, we would hear, um, Coast Guard, this is motor vessel Lois Joyce. We are breaking apart. We are breaking apart. We need help immediately. Helicopter gets on scene, pulls the people off of the, um, off of the boat. The boat runs aground on the beach and is destroyed by the sea. And for, for years after that, you could go to Oregon Inlet and you could see the remains of the Lois Joyce. You could see the remains of that boat and you may even, may even know about it. Now here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We, we're doing shipwrecked this week. Rescued by Jesus. Shipwrecked on a, on a deserted island. On, a, on, on, an island, on an island that we've dressed up and made look beautiful and all these kinds of things. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what, here's what I don't hear from people. I don't hear, mayday, mayday, mayday. This is Pete Hypes. I am lost in my sin, and I am dying and going to hell, and I need Jesus to save me. That's not what I hear. That's not what most people will say because, because see, sin, sin, is, um, sin has been dressed up to look good. Sin, sin might actually temporarily feel good. Sin might be something that we're 
okay with. And, and, and the more we see in the news, the more we see in our culture, in our society, in our country, we're becoming more and more tolerant of things that God hates. And, and, and so we would love nothing more than for people to declare May Day in their lives and want to be rescued. But many times, but many times, you're going to walk up to a person, you're going to walk up to a person that doesn't even really know they're lost. Now, you sit there and you go, everybody knows they're lost. Well, you've got you've to explain, you've got to explain what it means to be apart from God, what it means to not have Jesus in your life, what it means to be run by your sin, what it means to be living in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of Satan, because understand there are two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of Satan, kingdom of light, kingdom of God. We are born into the kingdom of darkness. We are born into that. It is when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that we are then, that we then move to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God, and we, and we are never again separated from Him. Never again separated from Him. So as we, as we read this account today of a man named Saul, I want us to think about that. I want to, because, because, we call this the Damascus Road experience. We call this, we call this his salvation experience. And you know what? You're not going to hear the things that you might think you're supposed to hear in this experience of Paul's salvation. Actually, Saul. I keep doing that, but it's coming, okay? It's coming. But right now he's Saul. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, starting in the first verse. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. 
But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Wow, what an experience. What an experience. And most of us, and most of us will not, unless you come up on this stage, most of us will not experience that kind of light. Okay? But... But it was a light, it was a light so bright that it drove him to the ground. And, and you know what? It was right in the midst of what he was doing to the Christians. That's what they called the way back then. Or, or that's what they called Christianity back then was the way. And, and so, there, so there Paul, there Paul whether it, whether it be killing Christians, whether it be beating Christians, whether it be imprisoning Christians, all of, he was in the midst of that. He was in the midst of it as all of this is going to take place. He is, doing, he is doing what he believes God has called him to do, as well as the priest and, the, and, and those leaders of, of religion in that day. He's doing what he believes that, that he's supposed to be doing. And, and you know, here's the, I, think, I think there's so many messages in this message. There are so many lessons for us in this. And that is, you know what? It matters not where a person is at. It matters not where they're at. God can stop them in their tracks and can save them on the spot. Whatever they're involved in, wherever they're at, whatever's going on, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And, 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 that's, and so here they are. And this, you see, Paul was credentialed. To be this persecutor of the church. He was credentialed by the high priest. He was given letters. He was given letters because he's about to make a long journey from Jerusalem. And I'll tell you that in a second. But, but here's the thing. I got to thinking about the, uh, the letter. All right, so you all know we go to Africa. And if you don't know, we go to Africa. Um, headed back there in January. And... I was driving in Africa. I was driving in Africa. And that particular year, that particular year, the rental company in Africa told me, you don't need an international driving permit to drive our vehicle in Africa. All you need is your state driver's license. Okay? I trusted the person I spoke with. I trusted that person. So I came with no international driving permit. And as happens quite a bit in South Africa... You get stopped, especially for the kind of vehicle that we drive. We drive what they call combis. It looks like a combi. It looks like a bus. So they're going to stop them more regularly than they stop a regular car. Well, that particular day, they stopped, and a, and a, very, um, and a very large police officer who filled my window, who filled my window with his presence, um, looked at me and said, okay, um, let me see your permit to be driving in our country. 
So I pull out my driver's license and I hand it to him. He says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I need that international driving permit. I said, but I was told I didn't need it. Well, that would begin a dialogue that I had for as long as I could have it with him. And I praise God that Pastor Chris was sitting next to me and Pastor Chris began to talk. And they, they spoke in Sepeti. So I didn't know everything that was being said. I had a pretty good idea of what was being said. And anyway, after a very, very long conversation, we were allowed to leave. And I was allowed to keep driving. So I had to ask Pastor Chris, what happened? He said, well, I have promised that you will never do this again. That you will never come to this country without an international permit. And I haven't gone back without one since. And the other piece of it is, I have promised that I will give you a letter. And you will carry that letter with you the rest of the time that you are here driving. And that letter, that letter will come from me as the government official. Didn't know Pastor Chris was a government official at that point. And needless to say, when I got it, it was, it was one of the most official things I've seen. And he hands me that letter, and I kept that letter with me. And oh, by the way, I got stopped again. But this time, Pastor Chris wasn't with me. So now I've really got to depend on this letter. Do you know I was two and a half, almost three hours out of Deepahani, and I handed that letter to that police officer, and she says, oh, I know Pastor Chris. And this letter, this letter gives you permission to be doing what you're doing. And, all, and on I went. The letter that Paul was given gave him permission, per se, to do the, the terrible things that he was doing to Christians. The terrible things. He, he had that credential. And, and here, on the spot, in a place, on, on the road to a place called Damascus. Now, Damascus. Jerusalem. Okay, so, so I've told you before. I know you want, you'd like a map. You'd like a map. The, the other day, I was, I was talking about Jerusalem and Samaria and Azadus and those kind of places. Well, this time we'll go Jerusalem, Samaria, Damascus. Okay? Now, you, you sit there and you go, well, wait a minute. Philip was just in Samaria. Well, see, the gospel, the gospel is spreading. The gospel is spreading. And, and where would you want to go to stop the gospel from spreading? Do you want to go to the place where it started? Is that the place where you're going to stop it from spreading? Okay, so now let's talk firefighting for a moment. To extinguish a forest fire, to extinguish a woods fire, you've got to get to the head of the fire. You've got to get to the head, the place where the fire is progressing. You've got to get there or you're going to be chasing it forever. Well, that's what's going on here. Paul is headed to that place where Christianity has gotten to and he's, and he's trying to stop it in its tracks. He's trying to stop it by stopping those people. So, so now you've got an idea of, of what's going on when, all of a sudden, this bright light. You know, we just sang that Jesus is the light of the world. Well, I think, this was, I think this was the exaggeration, the epitome, the extreme of that light. So much so that it drove him to his knees. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul didn't even know who it was at that moment. 
And he says, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. In other words, all that you're doing to all these people, all that you're doing to all of my people, you're doing to me. And we as, and we as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, for those of you that are believers in this place, you need to understand that, you know, when they lash out at you, they're lashing out at God. They're not... They're not truly lashing out at you. They're lashing out at the message that you have. They're lashing out at the gospel. And, and, we, and we can't be surprised by that, and we shouldn't be afraid of that. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Well, you know what a goad is? Have you ever heard of an ox goad? Have you ever, have you ever thought about a stockyard? Went by one the other day. I didn't stop by to see how it was going. Okay, um, I did get behind a I did get behind a very big pig truck, and it was full of pigs. And I just felt sorry for them for a moment. Okay, but I still eat bacon. But anyhow, but anyhow, so so but you think about an an ox goad, and so so they're getting, you, you know, ox are ox, cows are cows. Pigs are pigs. I mean, they, they, they don't, they, they, they're not very cooperative. And, and why would they want to be when they get to the stockyard? Why would they want to be if they can figure this thing out? Now, I don't think they figure it out, but anyhow, but just think about it, okay? And, and so an ox goad is something that pushes them along. It's a, it's a poker in a matter of speaking. It's a poker that pushes them along. And, and, and here's what, here's what the, the word is, is, I believe, saying. You know something, Saul, when you, when you persecute other believers, when, when you set out to do the things you're doing, you might as well be dealing with the business end of an ox goat. You might as well, because you know what? You can't push against it. You can't work against it. It's much stronger and much bigger than you are. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, this salvation experience that he has there on this Damascus road, this acknowledgement of who Jesus is, this acknowledgement of the one that he, he hated just moments before is changing into a love for the Lord like, well, like many of us could never understand. And most of the New Testament is written by this person. Most of the New Testament is written by this person. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. There, there are three different accounts in the book of Acts about this, of some see, seeing this, some not hearing this, some hearing this, some not seeing this. We'll go through that as we get to these places. But I tell you, the accounts are different, even in the people that were right there. But you know what? Jesus did it the way he wanted to do it. Then Saul rose from the ground. And when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. This, this powerful, I'm just going to say it this way, this powerful, mean man, this powerful, mean man is now, is, now brought, is now brought to blindness and has to be led by the hand. This is the person who went into homes and dragged Christians out. This is the person who beat who beat Christians. This is a person who imprisoned them. This, this person, this is who he was. And now all of a sudden, he's blind and has to be led by the hand into, a, into the city of Damascus. And he, was, and he was three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. Three days. Three days without his sight. Do you understand that Jonah spent three days in the belly of that fish? Jesus spent three days in the tomb. 
three days in the tomb. Paul, three days without his sight. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here here I am, Lord. If the Lord calls on you, where will you be? If the Lord calls on you, what will you say? If the Lord wants you to do something, if the Lord wants you to do anything, where will you be? What will you do? Ananias says, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. And behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. This is what, this is what only God can do. And he's doing this in Saul's life. And he's doing this through a vision to Ananias. Then Ananias answered. Now listen to his answer. And you got, you got to think about this now. It's not like Ananias is trying to be disobedient. It's not like he's trying to say, well, well Lord, I don't want to do what you've told me to do. But, but I, do have, I do have some concerns. I do have some concerns. And here's my concern. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. In other words, Lord, are you sure that this is what you really want me to do? Me, a Christian, me, a disciple of yours, me, one that follows the way. And, and this Saul, is this, this is what he's doing? This is what I know he has permission to do? And you want me to do this? And this is what the Lord says. Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And you know what? You might say, well, that doesn't look like a salvation experience. That doesn't look like that doesn't look like how a person gets saved the way I think it ought to be. Well, you, you know what? I think we're I think we're seeing that salvation is truly between a person and the Lord. Between a person and the Lord. Now there there are there's fruit that we can look at. There are various things that we can look at. We can we can listen to what a, what a person says, but I've heard many people say, "Yes, I accept I accept you, Lord." Never to darken the door of a church, never to do anything with it from that day forward. It's almost like, if I say this, maybe he'll leave. If I say this, maybe he'll leave me alone. Our lives should reflect our salvation experience. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here, we, here we've got another man, another person, Ananias in Damascus, okay? It, it, he didn't call the, there, there when Philip was, was there in Samaria, and, and the people there were, and the people that were there um, praying to receive Christ and so on, and they wanted to know that there was evidence, so they called for Peter and John, and Peter and John went and laid hands on them, and it was through that experience that the Holy Spirit fell upon those people. Well, they didn't call for those, they didn't call for those disciples. They called for, God called for Ananias. God called for Ananias. God empowers who he wants to empower to do what he wants to do. 
Let me read that again. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. You know what that says to me? Saul got saved right here. Saul got saved. Now, let me ask the question I asked last week. I want to make sure you're, you're coming along with me. Was he saved because he was baptized, or was he baptized because he was saved? Let me get a show of hands on that one. Was he saved because he was baptized? Who believes that? Was he saved because he was baptized? Let me see a show of hands for Was he baptized because he was saved? Thank you. I feel so much better. <laughs> I feel so much better about that. Yes, he was baptized because he was saved. And again, and again. You might, you might want more information. Lord, Lord, can you tell me more about his salvation experience? Can you tell me more about what he said? Can you tell me more about what it looked like? Can you, can you, can you lay this out? And the, Lord, and, you know, the Lord's not going to do that because it's not between you and that person and God. It's between God and that person. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now think about that. Think about that. He was going... He was going to get people like Ananias. <laughs> he was going to get those disciples that he's now hanging with. That he's now hanging with and studying the word together and praying together. And, and learning and learning what it is that God has in store for him. Do you, know, do, you know that, do you know that the Lord wants that experience with every single one of us? Do you know that we might be shipwrecked? I don't, I don't know. You, you know what? I've learned a long time ago, you can dress the outside up and the inside could be a train wreck through and through. And here's the thing, and here's the thing. You see that part on the bottom, it says, rescued by Jesus. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He is still in the business of saving lives. He, and he's using his church. He's using his church as that vehicle by which the gospel goes forth. You know what? Here's what I can tell you about this week. The gospel is going to go and go and go. And you know what? I pray that many, many, many children hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. We got children that are right on the edge. They are right on the edge. I mean, they are teetering. They are teetering on that decision. They're right there. I can tell you. And so we've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful in everything we do. I, I kind of like the games. I get to lead games this year again. And here's the thing. Even the games, even the games are going to have a meaning to them, have a meaning to them. Tonight, tonight we're either doing sheep tag, we're either, I think we're going to do sheep tag, because there's supposed to be a lot of lost sheep that they're going to be learning about tonight, so I thought we'd round them up a little bit, and uh, so just um, be ready for that. But anyhow, folks, if you're here today and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then don't be ashamed of it. And profess it to this world. Because this world so desperately needs the love of Jesus. This world so desperately needs Jesus in their life. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then, then you know what? The opportunity is now. You can come right here right now and talk to me. The we'll have an invitation. We'll, we'll close this service. And, and the thing is, you can talk to somebody. But, but the thing is, don't leave here. Don't leave here if the Lord is tugging on your heart and saying, and saying, this is your day. This is your day of salvation. 
So, let's pray. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we love you, honor you, praise you. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for how the word speaks, and we thank you for Saul and his experience of salvation. And, and, and Lord, it was li- there was literally nothing he could do about it. Lord, you met him in the exact place where he was at, in that place where, where he was doing his harm, where he was persecuting, where he was doing his damage, and you, tur- you literally... 180 degrees, turned him around, changed his life to never be same, the same again. And Lord, I thank you and praise you. Not all of us have a Damascus Road experience in our salvation. Not all of us saw a bright light. Not all of us heard a sound from heaven. But I do know this, that at the moment of our salvation, at the moment we ask you to forgive us of our sin and come into our life, that we were forgiven of that sin and that you and that you became the Lord of our life and that we were then filled with the Holy Spirit. We were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I trust that and Lord, I, I thank you for that and I know that I am secure in that. For the rest of my days on this earth, I am secure in eternity. Lord, and I thank you for that. And Lord, yes, we can know that. Your word teaches us that we can know that. So Lord, I, I just lift up this body, of, this body of people right this moment. For the believers, Father, I pray for encouragement. For the unbeliever, I pray that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, use this time, Father, as only you can, and, and move in the hearts of people. All this in your most precious and holy name, amen. Let's stand together.